to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Linda Lautenberg, who is a relauncher and graduate of Inspiring Capital's Return with Purpose Fellowship Program. And she's now co-director of that program, along with fellow relauncher and Return with Purpose graduate, Judy Schoenberg. We'll be talking to Linda about her own relaunch success and how Return with Purpose has evolved and the vision for the future of the program. Hi, Linda. Welcome to 321i Relaunch. Hi, Carol. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we're very excited to be speaking with you. This whole concept of social action and a social mission and and how meaningful that is in the relaunch world is a very important topic. And you're living it and you're working on a program that enables it. So we're really um, interested in, in getting all of those details. But let's start with your own return to work story. Can you walk us through what you did before your career break and tell us a little bit about your career break and how long it was? Um, And if you want, while you took it, that's up to you. Um, And just maybe bring us up to that point. Okay, great. Um, So I started my career, I um, moved from Minnesota to New York to take a job with Prudential on their investment side. Uh, and I worked there for three years doing private placements and real estate finance, um, after which I went to Harvard Business School for my MBA. Um, and upon graduation, I actually returned to Prudential because they offered to pay for my MBA, which was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. Um, so I spent uh, the next three years at Pru and then accepted an offer at Nomura Securities to originate large loans in their commercial mortgage-backed securities operation. Um, Wow. You were a real pioneer. (laughs) Securities before things got crazy. It (laughs) It was the Wild West. It was so much fun. It was so exciting. It was definitely a nine to midnight kind of work schedule. But um, we were all all in and, you know, really – Living the life, living the Wall Street life. So um, I can totally relate because I was, um, I'm a little older than you. I graduated, I think, maybe eight years before you did, but I, you know, was at Drexel Burnham Lambert and their corporate finance group. And um, I found it a very heady time, you know, to to, um, be with a, a, like an onslaught of deal flow and working with people who I really enjoyed and that it was, it was actually really fun and it was appropriate for that moment, that life stage, maybe not um, eternally appropriate, but appropriate certainly at that time. Well, now I can give you a visual then because it was a while at no more and we all worked on a trading floor. Um, Mm -hmm. I was in a deal team of three people. It was what it was myself, another woman, and the head of my deal team. And she and I simultaneously became pregnant. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and continued to work until midnight with our big bellies. Um, so we had to break the news to our deal team head at the same time that we were pregnant and going on maternity leave. But I, I will say that at the time, again, it was a heady time and I loved working there and I fully intended to go back to work after my maternity leave. Mm-hmm. However, 
Um, I have an interesting parallel with you, Carol. Um, while I was on my maternity leave, Nomura closed its commercial mortgage back operations. So wow. I had no company to go back to, similar to what happened with you at Drexel. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, um, and this is in part because of our age difference, but I, when I was pregnant at Drexel, there were two other women who were pregnant, like in the entire sort of investment banking organization, because there weren't that many women. And um, I was the most junior. I think I was a third year associate and one was a VP and one was a managing director. And they didn't have a maternity leave policy. Uh, that people oh, would just take six weeks of disability and and we're like, you got to have a policy. So they said, OK, you guys figure it out. So we said, all right, fine. So the three of us got on the phone and we said, let's give ourselves six months. And that was kind of the end of it. That's what they did. But, <laughs> but yeah, the, the company did go under while I was on maternity leave. So yeah. I can totally relate to that. There's nothing to prompt a career break like that. So, um, yeah. So, so at that point I decided to try staying home with my daughter and, um, enjoyed that. I was living in Manhattan. It was fun having a baby, but after about nine months of that mini career break, I, I clearly remember the moment I was sitting, having lunch with other moms in our strollers, discussing the brand of baby wipes we were using. And Ah. I just lost it. I'm like, that's it. I have to go back. I can't, I just, I can't. So I think I really was, I think it was too much 100, 100 miles an hour to 20 miles an hour. It was just too much of a gear shift for me. So mm-hmm. since I still had my active network, it's very different while you're still living in the city and you've only been out for nine months. It was relatively simple for me to find a four day a week real estate consulting job that worked well for our family. Mm. Um, and it got me out of the house. So it, so that was kind of perfect. Um, but my husband is a physician, he's a surgeon, and he had just, he was finishing up his um, second fellowship. And at that point, uh, joined a practice in central New Jersey, he had a great opportunity out there. So we moved our family down to the Jersey Shore. Um, and at that point, that was about the year 2000. Mm-hmm. And remote work didn't really exist then like it does today. Mm-hmm. Um I was also completely out of my element. I was in the New Jersey suburbs where I swore I was never going to be. I did. I tried reaching out to do a couple informational interviews, but I didn't, couldn't really find any opportunities that were that interesting to me. I think maybe part of it was that I had kind of fallen into real estate finance mm-hmm. as opposed to it being a real yeah. passion for me. And I think that happens to a lot of people, women and yeah. men, that they just kind of fall into something and continue a career pack. So Anyway, I knew we wanted more children, so I decided to just throw myself into being a stay-at-home mom with the same passion I had lent to my professional career, and over the next six years, we had two more children. And I will say here that over the for the first five years, I had a really hard time identifying as a stay-at-home mom. I, I would feel compelled when I met new people to refer to my prior career mm. and I just, I couldn't just be comfortable saying, yeah, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I did, however, really come to embrace being home with my children. I really, ultimately, I really love it. I have to say it was one of the happiest times of my life. I am one of these people that I completely, I had a long career break. I had an 18-year career break, and I really own it. I was Mm -hmm. very involved with my schools, my kids' schools. I was really involved with sports teams. I wasn't sitting home watching TV. I was out there and I was doing. And and I feel really grateful to have had the opportunity to do that because I know a lot of women can't. Um, Right. And I I love your evolution between um, 
when you first had, you know, the short-term career break and then, and you went back after the baby wipes discussion versus then sort of really diving in to being at home with your kids for that much longer period later on? Yeah, I, I, I almost feel like I wasn't quite ready to stay home yet. And, and so I needed that kind of um, placeholder, as if you will. Yes, it just underscores how unique this journey is for every person and even um, at different stages of their lives. You know, you had that the baby wipe moment. There are women who will say they had a moment like that. And that was when they decided to go go back to work. And there are other people who say almost the opposite. They'll say, you know, I only thought I was going to be out for two years, but boy, I woke up one morning and 10 years had gone by. So, you know, every situation is so unique. Um, the, the person, the ages of the kids, what's going on with the kids, whether there's elder care issues, um, where you live, family support, um, socioeconomic issues, fi financial pressure or not. Um, so it's so interesting to hear the stories because you can never generalize from any one particular story, but you hear like every story. So. Yes. And, and I actually think you're right. And I will even say, I think where I live did play into it somewhat. I think if you live in a community where most of your children's friends' moms stay home. Um, you almost, you kind of feel like you should be home with your children too. That's just kind of what is done in the community and you're so mm -hmm. focused on your children. Um, mm -hmm. So, and I guess I just assumed that the right thing would come up at the right time, but I did, was kind of surprised when I all of a sudden realized how long my career break was. So it, it yeah. was really in the year leading up to my first, child going to college when she was a junior in high school, that I started thinking of going back to work. Um, and so at that point, I'd been out of the professional workforce for 16 years. Um, wow. I will mention here too, something that, because um, I know you've talked about interesting things that have happened with you at your HBS reunions, um, because I, through this whole time, I did keep going to my HBS reunions. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because I noticed, and a little sad, I noticed that women who stayed at home, and there were others than me, actually, I think in my decade, there were a lot of women that stayed at home, but they all seemed to be apologizing along with me, apologizing for that decision. Mm -hmm. um, and then there were women who were, who were mothers and were working. And when they talked to me, they seemed to feel like they needed to defend that decision. And then there were still other women who had completely put off marriage and children and they seemed to feel like they needed to rationalize that. And I never ran into that speaking with men. Mm. They just went on the career path that they went on from graduating. And, and so it's just kind of an interesting um, view of women having a different path than men. Absolutely. And, you know, a really great illustration of that. Um, so, Linda, when you were thinking about returning, like, what was your thought process like and how did you find out about Inspiring Capital? And then at what point did you decide that having some sort of a social mission or social, social action oriented role was going to be an important part of your relaunch? That's a great question, Carol. So, um, so once I started thinking about returning, my first step was to reconnect with my business school. So I started, I went and attended a couple HBS Women's Alumni events. And it was actually there that I heard about your book um, by networking with women and talking about that I wanted, talking about, I didn't even know the word relaunch then, but talking about going back to work. Someone referred me to your book back on the career track. Oh, wow. 
which I read cover to cover multiple <laughs> times, oh, and it good. gave me a real framework and an action plan. Um, I'm glad to hear so, that. That's what it was supposed to be. So I'm glad it worked that way for you. <laughs> it so worked that way for me. That's it also made, made me understand that there were other women trying to do what I didn't really have a name for. So yeah. um, it was it was So great. important. I remember that was one of the reasons Vivian and I wrote the book in the first place is because the two of us didn't even know each other when we relaunched. It was in 2000 and 2001. You know, no one was talking about this. There were not any programs. Each of us did not know any other person who had gone back. So we did feel that isolation um, in addition to not really having a game plan. So that's, those were part of the motivation for, for writing the book. And I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So based on kind of the framework and some of the suggestions, I decided first, cause I really, I, all I knew is that I did not at this point, even though I'd loved it before that just an investment banking career, wall street, even working in a big corporation, I did not think that that was the route I wanted to take. I just needed my husband's job as a, he's a surgeon. He just does not have any career flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so I needed to find something a little more flexible but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so I took a couple online courses. I just pulled things out of the air that I thought sounded fun mm-hmm. and took a couple online courses in, you know, I tried one in fashion merchandising, a couple things like that. And that helped me rule the, out those industries. I'm like, you know, I really don't want to do this. Right. Um, and also going through that process helped me realize that I really wanted to make the next chapter. I felt so fortunate having been able to stay home with my children um, and just kind of lucky for everything I had. And I thought, you know, I really wanted to make the next chapter in my professional career, one in which I could make a difference to other people mm-hmm. some way. I didn't know how, but some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started pivoting my career, my volunteer work um, to more strategic leadership roles, which were more in line with those career goals. Um, I reached out to um, my HBS uh, career coaches for guidance. Um, I reached out to Carol Welch, who I know you've had as a podcast guest, and she's on your website. She's um, one of our Ivy coaches for a long yes. time. Yes, long time, and she gave me some great advice as well. But my my and my real stumbling block continued to be the fact that. I was really unfamiliar with the social sector space. I'm not even sure if I knew to call it the social spa- sector mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's new language for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I, I didn't even understand what the opportunities looked like. I remember sitting in Carol's office and her telling me about, you know, maybe a corporate social responsibility role would be good for me. I had never heard of a corporate social responsibility department. So um, I just, it's hard to try to figure out what you want to do when you don't know what's out there. Um, And it was on my LinkedIn feed that I discovered Inspiring Capital's Women's Reentry Fellowship, which at that time was called the Reinspiration Fellowship. Um, And that was immensely attractive to me. And I can tell you more about it what it looks like now, but the the main attractive attraction for me was it was a year long commitment. So it kind of, again, gave me a plan, just like your book gave me a plan. This gave me a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, it forced me to make an investment in myself. So I had some skin in the game. Mm-hmm. It placed me in, they use a cohort, a cohort model. Mm-hmm. We use a cohort cohort model. Um, so I knew I would have support, accountability, and other women to go through the journey with. Um, it required me to get out of the house yeah. because 
you are right. As you always say, you cannot find a job at your computer. That's right. Um, it was going to um, teach me about the social impact space and also offer me networking opportunities, networking practice, a chance to learn what was out there. Um, and I was also really interested and attracted to Inspiring Capital's mission, which really focuses on while, while Inspiring Capital works with a lot of not-for-profits, its real mission is, um, is focuses on pairing purpose with profit and those two things not being mutually exclusive. And I really believe that that's really where the world is going mm-hmm. and really the way that significant change is going to be accomplished in the future is when companies that are for-profit companies are out there looking to make change. You know, it's interesting when you're talking about new language, even the B Corp category of companies that have a social mission is is relatively new. I, I know it's been around for, for a little while, but um, this whole marrying of, you know, the, the Warby Parkers of the world, you, you know, this this for profit model with do good, do, doing good. Um, is is really fascinating. Maybe Patagonia was one of the first, you know, um, but uh, you're absolutely right. Um, that Patagonia withstanding, I think that it's it feels like a newer concept or Toms of Maine or Ben and Jerry's before it was acquired by Unilever, but now it has much more of a mainstream stream recognition and um, and and as you're saying, language around it. You know, the other comment I want to make about what you're saying is, you know, you said you kind of fell into the mortgage-backed securities world. And we find that, you know, when you're young, you get out of school and you fall into stuff. Either you're, you, maybe you're fulfilling someone else's expectation, your parents or someone else, or you just kind of get a job and one thing leads to another and you end up in a particular area. And it's not really done with any kind of um, intentional strategy. So the career break, we say, is really a gift in this regard because, because it allows you to step back and reflect on whether you are on the right career path to begin with, and then to consider things like you're saying you've never considered before, like this whole social action, social mission um, uh, being wrapped up into some sort of a job opportunity. So super interesting. Um, I just want to remind our listeners, anyone who might have just tuned in, that you are listening to 321 iRelaunch. And this is Carol Fishman Cohen, your host. I'm speaking with relauncher and co-director of Inspiring Capital's Return with Purpose Fellowship Program, Linda Lautenberg. And we're right in the middle now of talking about Linda's relaunch and how she found out about the program and then um, uh, going through it. Uh, so Linda, uh, you I cut you off. You were ending up talking about your personal story, but I really also want to switch gears and talk about the Return with Purpose Fellowship itself and see, can you just explain what is it? How long does it last? What's involved with the program? What do the participants actually do when they're in the program? Sure. Great question, Carol. So um, so kind of the background is that um, recognizing that women returning to the workforce are often looking to fill career gaps, uh, resume gaps with current experience, and often prioritize uh gaining experience and flexible schedules over high salary, um, and also recognizing oftentimes social ventures have a lot of project work to do because they have limited resources to hire full-time positions. We feel like that's a perfect blend 
um, for women to try out different functions and build confidence. Additionally, social sector organizations often have a lot of part-time and flexible work, which is attractive to women returners who uh, continue to bear a lot of the responsibility for child care and home management. So we really feel like it's a win-win uh, for the organization and women returners. And that is uh, really the unique focus of the Return with Purpose uh, Fellowship. It's got a real broad appeal because so many women are looking for purpose and meaning and flexibility in their next steps. So um, in advance of our next cohort, which will be in and next fellowship cohort, which will be in March, um, this January, we will be hosting our first annual Return with Purpose Summit, uh, which will give us an opportunity to reach a broader swath of women and connect them with social impact skills in organizations. And that's going to be a one-day content-packed event. Um, I know what I relaunch, you practice the four C's yeah. of control, content, compensation, and culture. Very good. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm impressed. I use them all. <laughs> um, so coincidentally, at Inspiring Capital, we also have four C's. Mm-hmm. Um, and our four C's are clarity, confidence, community, and connections. And this is really what we're, our summit and our fellowship program are based on. Clarity to develop your vision and sense of purpose. What are you good at? What are your transferable skills? Um, Confidence um, to gain the skills, to um, relaunch, and also to jumpstart a a social impact career to learn about the space. It's easier to relaunch in a space if you feel like you know something about it going in. Um, Community, we feel, is a vital uh, and really signature part of our program, because without professional networks of their earlier careers, many women feel isolated in the rear entry process. And it was a really big attraction for me to know that I would be going through uh, through this process with other women. Um, and then also connection, exposure to Inspiring Capital's vast and broad network of social impact organizations looking for talent. So the conference, the one-day conference, will spend about a half a day on career reentry and then half the day um, learning about the spectrum of social impact space and um, hearing from some uh, social impact organizations. Um, there will also be other career reentry experts from Inspiring Capital and some of our wonderful partner organizations. Um, I mean, now... there. Lately, there are a number of resources for women returning to the workforce, thanks largely to the groundbreaking work that you did, Carol, with iRelaunch. And we really believe that these organizations having a variety of areas of focus in terms of geography and interest expertise can and should be collaborating to help women go back to work. And they are doing that. And yeah. they will. Um, that will definitely be the case at our summit, just like it is at yours. Absolutely. Um, I just want to interject for a second, just to clarify that um, a couple of things. First of all, this is a New York City based program and event, correct? Yes, it is. Um, it'll be the date is January 10th and it will be at the Grace Institute in Lower Manhattan. Okay. Just wanted to point that out because people will be listening to this from all over the country and you will hear from them saying, when will you be bringing this to my city? And can I help you bring this to my city? Um, because it's unique and, and 
kind of a program. And also, I just want to say, because you're talking about some an event that's coming up and a cohort that's starting um, in the 2019 year, for people to understand, because people will be listening to this podcast at all different times, that this is ongoing, that there will be more of these summits, there'll be more of the cohorts, and this is um, sort of a... Um, rolling kind of a, a programming. So um, whatever you're listening to here should be continue to be relevant depending no matter when you're listening to this podcast. Yes. And the expansion piece is yes and yes. We are, um, Judy and I are revamping and redeveloping the program right now. Um, and the intention is to make it bigger, better or stronger this year, and then roll it out um, in other cities in coming years. Well, that sounds very so. exciting. Um, can you talk to us, Linda, about some of the graduates of the program so far, and what are they doing now? Can you give us a, a, some examples? Sure. So um, graduates of our program are... Um, at this point, we've our alumni are doing a lot of different things. The program has changed over time since it piloted four years. At this point, we have about 80 alumni. Some have gone into full-time roles in the social sector. Some are doing project-based work, um, part-time work, freelance work. And a few have even pivoted to fields outside the social sector. Um, some of our graduates have leveraged board service and trans transitioned into that, that into uh, full-time paid roles. And some have pursued Encore Fellowships because Inspiring Capital has a strong relationship with that organization. Let's just tell um, people about the Encore organization is really for people who are looking to do something in that third stage of their lives. Um, and it's usually a social, I think it is all about social action um, oriented projects or roles. Is that correct, Linda? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, but that's an example of how inspiring capital having relationships with, with other returnship programs can really benefit people. Yeah. So the fellowship is, is um, a year long program where we focus again on reentry tools and learning about the social impact sector um, takes place in a cohort setting of about 12 to 15 women and um, our fellows have the unique benefit actually of um, a professional identity while they were in the fellowship as being able to give themselves a title of sorts as a social impact fellow, which is great when you're networking, you can mm -hmm. even put it on your business card. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously um, access to all our online content, which will have um, job opportunities and pro bono opportunities and things like that. And then fellows eventually will all, um, can be eligible for specific training to qualify for Inspiring Capital's pipeline of project-based and consulting opportunities. Excellent. Super exciting. This has been a great conversation today and something about a whole new topic that we, we really haven't explored in, in much depth to up until this point. So very happy to be able to have this conversation with you. I want to ask you the question that we end all of our podcasts with, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about in our conversation today? So as a big fan of your podcast, I was ready for this question. <laughs> um, I would like to say that um, I think it would be that you really absolutely, absolutely cannot accomplish a meaningful career reentry from your home. You really need to get out and talk to people. 
You need to look at the reentry process. Actually, as you just mentioned, you need to look at it as an opportunity to step back and reflect on what really inspires you and what kind of job will get you excited to go to work every day. And you need to find a community of people to surround yourself with on your journey, whether you do that through the Return with Purpose program or another program, but you need to find a community of people to surround yourself with on your journey to develop the clarity and confidence and connections that you need to re-enter into a purposeful career. Excellent advice. Great way to end the, the podcast. Linda, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, can you tell us uh, and tell our listeners how people can find out more about Inspiring Capital and the Return with Purpose Fellowship? Absolutely. Um, Women interested in the Return with Purpose Summit and Fellowship can look us up on inspiringcapital.ly. And uh, we're still working and revamping the application a little bit, but that will be up and running very soon. But if you reach out to us on inspiringcapital.ly, we will get back to you with any information that you want. Wonderful. Thank you for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me, Carol. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. For more information on I Relaunch, go to irelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.